Hey there, and welcome back to a brand new, brand spanking new season of Scopophilia, the podcast. We are the millennial movie movement, and I, of course, am your host, as always, Becky Teller, coming back to you after a longer than anticipated time on my part. I will be honest, uh, we were a little late getting things together. Uh Life happened. Uh, that's the only excuse I have. Uh, between planning my wedding, uh, working full time, and trying to compete in this impossible housing market, it has been a lot. Uh, and trying to squeeze in this passion project of mine has been difficult to say the least. Um, but I guess I'm just really living that millennial lifestyle of, uh, being too busy and uh, and everything else that comes with being a millennial, uh, but that meant that I had to take extra time in curating this season, which has been a pretty new and exciting experience overall. I gotta say, I've got new people on my team in the background who are really helping me out, which has been such a different experience, but also really awesome. So enough about me. Uh, Again, sorry that we're late getting started, but I am here and we have great films that we are ready to talk about. And I couldn't think of a better way to really kick off this season other than by having other podcasters on. And these ladies in particular were so amazing. It was like meeting friends that you have known for a really long time, except we had just met. Um, we were on the same wavelength, and that is Emily and Dara of the Swamp Movie Podcast. Uh, if you are unfamiliar with their work, they are incredible podcasters. They always pick choice films, and it was just such a fun time having them on the show, uh, especially because they picked The Favorite, which I had been kind of pushing off watching for no real reason other than I just hadn't gotten around to it yet, uh, which is a terrible excuse. But these ladies picked The Favorite with Emma Stone and Rachel Wise and Olivia Coleman, who ended up winning the Oscar for Best Actress that year. And it gave me a great opportunity to sit down and actually watch it, which was great. And I learned a lot and I laughed a lot and I'm rambling now. So I'll just let you listen to the episode. It was such a great time. Without further ado, my interview with Emily and Dara of the Swamp Podcast about their favorite film, The Favorite. Enjoy. Scopophilia is the newest thing to hit the market. Defined as deriving aesthetic pleasure from looking at something, it's the new craze sweeping the nation. Taken in large doses, side effects can include an addictive nature to have more film content. If this increase occurs, consult no one and keep listening. Scopophiliacs, and welcome back to another episode of Scopophilia, the podcast. I am so excited. I cannot contain my excitement because I have two lovely ladies on. For the first time ever, we have more than one guest on the show, first and foremost, but we have the lovely and talented Emily and Dara from the Swamp podcast, uh, aka some whack-ass movie podcasting. And so introduce yourself, ladies. We're so happy to have you. How are you doing? All of the things. Oh, that was already such a lovely introduction. You called <laughs> was lovely and talented by god <laughs> buy me dinner first um, <laughs> no we're so excited to be here this is actually the first podcast that we've oh well maybe the second this is the second podcast that we've been a guest on now and so we're like venturing out into being onto other people's shows and we've been having hey. so much fun with it um but we host a movie podcast called the swamp like you said some whack-ass movie podcasting and we just shoot the shit and talk about a different movie every week and it's a lot mm-hmm. of fun yeah. i love that Oh, and my name is Dara. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Emily. Hi. I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited to have you guys here. And I know I said it, you know, prior to recording, but I was saying, you know, a lot of film podcasts that I find online are dudes hosting. And, you know, I feel like maybe there aren't as many female podcasters doing movies. I don't know. Like, maybe I just haven't done a deep dive, but like, 
I listen to you guys and I'm like, these guys get it. Like they understand what's happening. And I'm not screaming most of the time unless you guys like forget a name of an actor. And I'm like, it's this. <laughs> too many times. Too many times have we forgotten names? Have we mispronounced names? Oh, it's mispronunciations. <laughs> the struggle so real. Oh, struggle um, bus for sure. And so I, I, re- I found you guys on TikTok and I was super mm-hmm. excited about it. And then we were prepping for this new season four. And I was like, I got to ask these girls, at least put it out in the universe. You guys said yes, which I was like, whoop, whoop. Sounds amazing. Mm -hmm. And I said to you guys, you know, do you want to do it together? And you said yes. And then I asked what kind of film you wanted to do, what film you want to talk about for at least an hour. You said the favorite. And so just to kick things off, why this movie? Because you guys talk about a lot of movies, and I was not sure what you were going to (laughs) pick. This was... I was going to say, I'll say, like, we went back and forth. We went through maybe, we, ex- like, went through a list of maybe a hundred movies before <laughs> deciding, like, our text chain of, like, oh, my God, we got asked to be on this really cool and awesome podcast. What do we talk about? <laughs> and we didn't want to talk about anything that we have already talked about before, mm-hmm. obviously, or, I don't know, we just didn't want there to be any crossovers. We're like, should be something new? And then we, like, Spy Kids to Space Jam <laughs> to like Oscar winners. We just like went through everything. We're like, yes, 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 yes. What's your, and you asked like, what's your favorite movie? And I was like, we should do the favorite. Mm. (laughs) Oh, nice twist ending there. I like it. Uh (laughs) And I mean, so the favorite, which I will admit it's my first time watching it. I'm behind on the times. Um, It was great. Uh, But what would you guys say is kind of like the shortest synopsis you could give for people who haven't seen it? Dara, I'll let you do this because you do this every week. um, It won't be short. I was going to say, I try to do this every week on our show and I fail every time. I'm like, let me give a little recap. And then 15 minutes later, I'm getting into like very niche plot details still. (laughs) But I would say the most like IMDB three sentence summary I can give is that it's the 1700s in England. It's about the queen, Queen Anne, and sort of her relationship with these two women named Abigail and Sarah, who are sort of in her staff on her court, and sort of their influence over politics, a little bit of romance entanglement is involved, certainly a lot of drama, racing ducks, rabbits, uh, (laughs) but it's very much just the drama of like court of the 1700s royalty, but also with a little like lesbian spiciness and also poisoning and violence. Um... Again, see, now I'm, like, getting into the details, and I'm like, do we talk about the part where they're in the mud bath together? Like, I don't know. (laughs) But it's sort of this love triangle, I guess, Mm -hmm. um, between these two young women and the queen, and also sort of the underlying tensions of them, like, using her for political gain, I guess, Mm -hmm. would, would be the... The broadest summary I could possibly give. Uh, not very well said, but it's a beautiful <laughs> movie. It is visually Gorgeous. like, oh, yeah. I think that's maybe why I would categorize it as, you know, a movie that I love so much is it is gorgeous to look at. Oh, yeah. 100%. Mm-hmm. It's so rich. The set design, the costumes, it's like, it's everything that you could ever want. And like, I was doing a little research like prior to just to like feel educated. And, um, one of the things I saw was that, like, they had a light guy, but everything they did was, like, practical lighting. So, yeah. like, those really deep blacks and, like, those really rich yellows are, like, that's real. And I'm, like, mm-hmm. oh, another layer of why this is such a great movie. <laughs> it's absolutely gorgeous. Like, that, Definitely. and, like, for me, was it? I know they filmed um, – I wrote it down somewhere. But the place that they filmed um, this whole movie in whatever castle it is or in Ireland. State, Mm. Is it Ireland? Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, just, it's so. gorgeous. It's absolutely beautiful. Yeah. I, I just feel like you could take a screen grab like at any given second of this movie and I want it framed above my fireplace that I don't have, like <laughs> in my beautiful estate that I don't own. But even like when they're wrapping her legs because she has gout, I'm like, why is this beautiful? Like, right. <laughs> I'm like, it looks like a Caravaggio painting. Like everything just yes. so like high Renaissance. Like it's just beautiful. Yeah. And the lighting, so stunning. High highs, low lows. And this was nominated for 10 Oscars, production design and cinematography being two of them. Lost both of them. But mm. the, the Oscars, this is also kind of why I wanted to pick this movie because I love to talk about the Oscars. I hate the Oscars, but yep. I love to talk about it. And um, this was, I believe, the most nominated movie of that year. So this really? came out in 2018, but it was part of the 2019 Oscars, obviously. Mm-hmm. And I think it was, it had 10 nominations, which is yeah. insane. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And obviously, Olivia Coleman took home the grand prize for Best Actress that year, which is so well-deserved. It was like, well-deserved, yeah. but no one expected it. No. Absolutely yeah. nobody expected it, because everyone thought it was going to go to Glenn Close. Like, it was basically, like, a right. sure thing that year. Uh-huh. And she w- herself was shocked. Like, she got up on stage <laughs> and she was like, I don't even know what to say, because I'm so, like, baffled that this is happening to me. Which uh-huh. I know that... um. So she was nominated, and both Rachel Weisz and Emma Stone were also nominated. And the yeah, but they were them, in supporting. They yeah. both basically have equal screen time, and mm-hmm. there aren't really a ton of set rules on like screen time counts on who can be like supporting or you know if if multiple people are going to get the nomination, I guess. And so I guess uh, Olivia Coleman stepped down, and she was like, "I don't think any of us really have a chance in this actress race." But I do think both of you could, you know, really take it in supporting. So mm. I'll step down. I'll take the lead, uh, like, nomination. And you guys mm-hmm. can have supporting. And that way, one of you probably... And, like, ironically, right. then, she ends up winning. And they both end <laughs> up losing. Which I'm like, oh, of course. Like, selfless Olivia Coleman doing right. a really nice thing <laughs> just, for her coworkers. Just <laughs> oh, gets rewarded. <laughs> just an angel. An angel of a woman. And of I course. think, like, for me, I think you, Dara, you said like one of your favorite things about this movie is the cinematography. For me, it's just all the performances by these three mm. outstanding actresses. Like like yes. you said, like they all have like just about the same screen time and just the, all the, the chemistry like throughout it is just insane. Like, uh, especially like I think <laughs> when it comes to Olivia Coleman, she can have chemistry with anyone at all. Like <laughs> yeah. anything she's yeah. done. Like, you know what I mean? Like, even when she's a hateful bitch in Fleabag, you're like, this is perfect. It flows so well. (laughs) I, like, I've always recognized that she's, like, a stunning, amazing actress. But what really, like, set me over on being an Olivia Coleman stan was when I watched the show Broadchurch, which is just Mm. sort of, like, a crime drama show like very standard kind of law and order vibes there's oh yeah i think there's three seasons but i only watched season one and it's her and david Tennant, and they play these like two cops it's like a fine show but her, just seeing her play like this very kind of mundane cop tv role i was like oh she really can do everything like she's not just this like high high low lows like she can play the middle too and I, that's when i was like oh she just everything she understands the assignment Every single every time. time. Oh, yeah. Every and her time. being absolutely hysterical in this movie and just like crying and screaming and rolling around. I'm like, I I love it. I'm so here for this. I'm here for Olivia Coleman just like acting like a buffoon and getting away with it. It's yeah. It's the fact that she like for me, like the reason like she won this Oscar is because she's acting like a buffoon, but like at the same time, whenever I re- like watch this movie. I realize it's so fucking sad. Yeah. Like she's acting, she's acting, like you said, Dara, like a buffoon, like the entire time. At the same time, I am just devastated and absolutely crushed watching Queen Anne for the entire thing. No, 100%. And it's like, I was thinking about that the whole time of like, okay, who is Olivia Coleman, especially in the beginning? Like, why is her relationship with Sarah so important to her and this that, and the other? And like, I knew about the lesbian element of it uh-huh. but i kept trying to like put the pieces together it's like well why does she act like this what's with what's with the music triggering her into like a fit of hysteria and like <laughs> it's it's probably just because of all the trauma like with 17 lost children mm-hmm. like a dead husband a yeah. dead husband a, a country that is just getting over war or maybe just getting over war mm-hmm. hard to say like so yeah. you kind of understand why she goes back to like kind of regresses into this like childlike state of like, mm-hmm. I'm the queen. I get what I want. That's how this is going to go. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. like, again, like, I mean, like Dara was saying, like high highs, low lows are in this movie and everything in between is just so kind of beautiful to see mm-hmm. like the shift in her eyes the whole time. Mm-hmm. Oh, so oh, yeah. minute. So beautiful. Yeah. No, it's the, for me, like, like you said, like you're t- talking about right now, like the shift in her eyes. It's there. There's that one scene where they're all dancing, and it's oh. just the most absurd dance you've ever seen. It's so funny to watch. But like, <laughs> ju- there's like just this really tight shot on her face for like a minute or two, and you can just like, it's just like the really small acting like that that always gets me. Which like I feel like, I think a lot of like those sort of film bro podcasts sort of look <laughs> over like we were talking <laughs> yeah, about before. Yeah, it's like like everyone's like commending like the big like ranting and raving monologues but i'm like no like olivia coleman did so much work with just like her face and like the tiniest little thing in just that scene it's just phenomenal it's absolutely outstanding 
Absolutely. I love I that <laughs> dancing scene because that they use that in the trailer. Mm-hmm. And I see all, my mom and I together, we watch all of the um, nominated Best Picture movies every single year, like without fail. And we like, Aww. I don't know, make a, yeah, we like make a, like a quest of it, I guess. I love and that. And this year, I remember like kind of from afar, like not having seen a ton of them, observing the lineup. But I was like, I'm excited to see the favorite because in the trailer, they had them dancing so silly like that. And uh, and I was just like, whatever's going on here, I want to be a part of it. Like, yeah. they really did not reveal too much. I remember I was like some sort of like period piece drama and they're going to do a funny dance at some point. And basically, you know, here's the cast. I, I was sold. I was like, right. yes, this is one I'm excited to see. And I remember I saw it with some friends who did not like it. They were like, that was weird and I didn't understand it and like why was the ending a bunch of rabbits and I'm confused and I was like no 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 you don't understand like you don't understand how uh, I think this movie's so Oscar baby and that's like why I'm hesitant to say I like it so much but I always enjoy watching it because even if the story can be kind of boring at some points and I don't really care if Emma Stone is going to get her way with Nicholas Holt's character or whatever, what, like if I'm not really invested, it's just, it's funny. The dialogue is witty and it's beautiful to look at. And that like checks three boxes yeah. for like, is a film enjoyable? Yes, I think so. Yeah. I fe- yeah. I feel like for this one, especially, it's probably better that you see like, another Yargus Lanthimos movie beforehand. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh my like, gosh, yeah. how you just said his name? Because I was really worried. I was like practicing before this. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't, I don't speak Greek. Right. I probably butchered it, but whatever. <laughs> no, that, that Everyone was with knows. so much more confidence than I ever could have pulled Thank off. Because um, <laughs> I, I love The Lobster and I would maybe mm. put The Lobster in like my top 10 of all time favorite really? movies. I am mm. obsessed I just love that. And I think this is certainly like it very much in his style, but gave me something very different. Cause I don't know when you're very, that like arty, like high art kind of almost Oscar baby. I want to say directorial style. It can get very repetitive, very fast. Mm. It's just like, oh, yeah. oh, it's so pretty nice to look at, but there's not a lot of substance here. And I loved the lobster. And so I was almost worried with this one. I'm like, oh, like, I don't know. Is this going to give me what I need? Or is this just going to be some other like iteration of, whatever but um no i i definitely uh lo- love this and is very different to the lobster and my relationship with it is mm-hmm. very different to the lobster but i love how he kind of picks his people who he brings with him like oh, olivia yeah. Pullman and rachel weiss uh the rachel weiss character was originally supposed to be kate winslet kate mm-hmm. winslet mm-hmm. yeah but then some like scheduling thing came up and then he was like oh do i know the girl for this I- right I made her do some some intense acting pretty uh-huh. recently so let me pull her in <laughs> yeah. It's so funny you say that because I just saw like probably just like through the Twitter grapevine, I don't know, but um someone tweeting about like his new movie and someone working on it and they had said like it's and which it has like Willem Dafoe and Emma Stone he's carried over and I think maybe a scars guard, I'm not sure. I could be wrong about that one. <laughs> one just of any them. of them. Yeah, take your pick. <laughs> they're all interchangeable. But yeah, no, they said it they're like it's very weird and it's very horny. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, that's... Which is a continuation okay. of this movie, honestly. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> right. I know earlier we were talking a lot about, like, the Olivia Coleman, the, the Church of Coleman. Um, yes. But <laughs> I am, like, not... So this is... Emily and I are typically on the same page, which doesn't always make for a great podcast because we're just, like, confirmation <laughs> biasing each other's beliefs. Right. <laughs> but we do kind of stand on opposite sides of, like, I'm not a huge Emma Stone fan. Mm. I am usually, like, not... I think it's a little overhyped. I think she's in good movies and I like some of the stuff she's been in and I commend some performances, but just, you know, to label her as like one of the greatest actresses of this generation, I don't know if I buy it. This movie, this movie does, (laughs) I will subscribe to the Church of Emma Stone here because (laughs) I think she is doing it. I think this is her best performance that I've ever seen her give. I am a person of honor, even if my station is not. Even if I were the last one left in this wretched place, I would remain a lady. <laughs> You're pretty when outraged. So my secrets are safe with you? All of them. Good. Even your biggest secret. Abigail. <gasps> if you forget load the pellet the gun fires makes a sound but releases no shot it is a great jape do you agree yes maybe we will think of a use for it one day 
Sometimes it is hard to remember whether you have loaded the pellet or not. I do fear confusion and accidents. I'm sure people will be careful. Yeah. Um, but I know, Emily, you're a huge Emma Stone fan, so this is kind of two sides say, of the same coin. I don't know if I'd say huge, but I definitely subscribe to a lot of her work. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's one of those things, and I'm really glad, because I was reading before this, that apparently she um, had signed on for um, Greta Gerwig's Little Women, um, and she yeah. was going to play um, Meg, and then she dropped that to do this, and they just got another... Um, Emma, Emma in there yes. instead. <laughs> like, oh. oh, they're all interchangeable. Which, like, mind you, like, that is Emma Watson's bread and butter. I'm glad, like, they put her in there. And Emma Stone was like, yeah, I'm doing the favorite. Because it was yeah. outstanding. Oh, I cannot imagine. I mean, I can't be like, if I were Emma Stone, this is what I would have done. Because, like, <laughs> I, no, absolutely never in my life or reality. But I'm like, wow, which one would I would have picked? I don't know. Like, obviously, they both ended up being very critically acclaimed and very good. And I'm sure, yeah, but know, like, I oh, which I, yeah, Greta maybe Gerwig I also would have gone for the favorite show. They're like, you get to like be sexual with Olivia Coleman and also <laughs> act crazy. Like, yeah, I think maybe, I think maybe the favorite. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's so also Meg. Meg's kind of the boring one. True enough. It is like, <laughs> but like both, both movies are such like female driven like films too, which is one of those things like that's like, I mean, it really just depends. It's like, oh, you're going to go for, like, Greta Gerwig's happy little thing? Or it's, like, this really weird one that Yargos has got. So she had two very different <laughs> movies to work with on that. Yeah. I'm glad she did, though, because she's she's so perfect in this. I, yeah. This is the one that I'm like, yeah, I get it. If you're going to, like, say that she's, you know, the greatest or whatever, I, I can kind of get behind it here. Because yeah. Not I, the La La Land I, performance. No, yeah, no, no. Absolutely not. Don't get me started. Don't get me started. <laughs> I'm glad we're all on the same page here. Right. <laughs> well, I was going to say, because, like, I, in in seeing Emma Stone kind of grow as a performer, like, her Easy A era, I was like, oh, this is the performer that Emma Stone is going to be. And then she was like, no, I'm going to do harder roles. And then she won the Academy Award for Best Actress in La La Land, which, like, <sighs> congratulations, whatever. <laughs> it's, 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 a, it's a good movie, whatever. Um, but I, I was under the impression um, that Natalie Portman should have won for Jackie because that, in, that in my mind was what it was supposed to be. And I oh, feel yeah. like there is such different sides of that line of like, yes, she deserved it, and no, it should have gone to somebody else. Um, I think she should have won the Academy Award for this instead. This makes way more sense. Of like, yeah. it felt so much more than her performance in La La Land, where I felt like she kind of just played herself, you know? Which, mind you, who, Dara, you would probably know because you've got all the Oscar trivia. Do you know who won <laughs> for Supporting Actress that year? That yeah, it was for, Regina King. For mm. what? What was that? Uh, the la- Beale Street, if maybe. Oh, huh. right. Um, okay. So, yeah, which I, I kind of get. I, I almost wonder, like, I want to play through the alternate universe scenarios in which, you know, Rachel Weitz takes the lead actress nom and then Olivia Coleman and Emma Stone take the support. Like I want to run through each one and see, cause I'm like, if you put Emma Stone in this up against Glenn Close, who wins? Mm. Did they just give it to Olivia Coleman because of some sort of like longstanding, uh, you know, a status appreciation. But then again, that was basically the whole reason everyone argued that Glenn Close should get it was because she's like, what seven time nominee, zero right. time winner or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't really know, but I guess I always just speculate like what would have happened. But I think they all basically deliver equally good oh, yeah. performances. And mm-hmm. this, like, it's really hard for me to pick. Like, if you put these three performances up against each other and say you just have to pick one as, like, the most commendable, I, re- I would really have to sit on it for a while. Because, and even I, of these three, I think I most would, you know, commend the body of work of Olivia Coleman. But I, mm-hmm. I, stepping back, I'm like, I really don't know. Like, the, the, I think Rachel Wise gives the most subtle performance. And that sort of like subtle manipulator yeah. role is uh, so brilliant. And the uh, and yeah, Emma Stone, like I said, uh, not the biggest fan, but I really think that she just like totally brings it here. And mm-hmm. obviously Olivia Coleman because she won the freaking Oscar. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's so tough. And I just think all the performance too. Even um, what's his name, Taylor Swift's boyfriend, <laughs> the blonde um, one. 
Oh, oh God! Um, oh my! I didn't re- I didn't realize that was him. Joe Alwyn. That's his name. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah. So he, yeah, he's Taylor Swift's current boyfriend, I think. And I think he's so good in this. He was great in Harriet too. He kind of played that like despicable racist a little too well, but oh. like maybe you're just a good actor kind of thing. <laughs> <Right>. uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and Nicholas Holt, I am obsessed. Oh my God! With the Skins yes. to Fame pipeline. If mm-hmm. you were on the original UK Skins, you are now some hot shit. Dev tell oh freaking nicholas holt they are all doing the most and i remember watching that show in middle school being like this is this is it and now yeah. here i am watching them flourish and win oscars and i love it yeah mm. I he's love- so good in this too i love the wigs oh it's outstanding <laughs> i read it i read like a whole thing about what is it um him and like the makeup um designer for this would like go back and forth like a lot mind you he named all of his wigs yeah he, he had a different name for all of his wigs but i like that he like he was um very particular about like the placement of his mole like for every different scene it's like oh i think he'd wear it like this because he was seeing the queen or oh he'd wear it here for like x y and z i'm like what a guy what an absolute guy um but my favorite thing to come from him being in this is um that hulu show the great with yeah, him and written, written by the same guy, right? It's, yeah, it's yeah. um the uh one of the co-writers of this wrote that show. And they just so perfectly like snatched him right out of this and said, You're coming home with me and <laughs> slapped him in that. <laughs> it's beautiful. I think and it's it's so got like the same vibe of the favorite too. Yeah, mm. I was gonna say they're like, Oh, you're being like a little mischievous period piece character. Yes, you're you can do that again over here. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> No, a hundred percent. I I have not seen the new season of The Great, but I was so Me in neither. love with the first season. Oh, so good. Right? Yeah. So it's funny. Outstanding. Oh. It, yeah, no, I wouldn't and like have... Elle Fanning just like doing what she was clearly born to do. Exactly. <laughs> gorgeous, gorgeous performances all around. Yes. Um, not to swing back to um your Oscar talk there, but like you put, put putting like all three of these women like up against each other. I think one of the things that would honestly sway me is the monologue that Emma Stone gives while jerking off Joe Allen <laughs> <laughs> on their freaking wedding night. Yes, he, she's like, you can get a dry hand job, <laughs> right? It's our wedding night. Like I'm I in the middle of some political strategy. Yeah, yeah I love. She's it. like, okay, I'll jerk you off, but I have to scheme while I do it. I'm in a very <laughs> tight schedule. <laughs> and on top of it, it's like she's hunched over and like has those manic eyes of like, I need to be ready. I need to be ready. Like, <laughs> it's like so good. <laughs> she just see him darting back and forth. You just know her brain's going a mile a minute. <laughs> yes, <laughs> beautiful, just outstanding. <laughs> I love I'm, the plot line in any given movie, though, of, like, the person who has to win. Like, mm. Emma Stone will do anything, basically, to, like, get to this place that she wants to be. And sort of the, like, starting, I'm hunched over sleeping on the floor as a maid. But, like, deep in her mind, you know that she was, like, okay, like, scheming. This is what I'm going to do. This is how it's going to work. And, like, every bump in the road, she just navigates her way around mm-hmm. it so, like, strategically and brilliantly i love characters like that that i'm like oh you will do anything mm-hmm. you'll yeah. do anything to get the thing that you want like no matter you know who you hurt yourself included along the way yeah uh, i just those are the kind of stories that i really that's why at times when this movie feels a little i don't want to keep saying oscar Beatty, but like kind of like pandery and too arty and like you know it's trying to maybe oh, sure too, too much or just be too like uh style over substance i guess it, mm-hmm. it is like those monologues where she's like doing stuff like that i'm like oh this is really like doing something quite special yeah no for sure and it's it's oh it's so interesting to see because in going into this movie i was like okay rachel weiss's character sarah gets her this job and then they have like a battle of who's going to be the queen's favorite like that's the movie And so in my mind, I was like, oh, she's going to learn everything from Sarah's character. That's going to be her arc of like, she overtakes Sarah or who's going to win or whatever. She comes into this being like, I'm going to find every opportunity I can, pick it apart, and then become the top dog of this place. And so that kind of struck me as like, I did not see it coming of like how calculated everything is, even from the start. Just... Oh, I mean, talk about your good acting, good writing, like whatever it is, just like there was 
there was definitely a magic in terms of her development through this film. Oh, right. That's why I'm, I was so impressed with her performance here because she usually is not that kind of cunning, calculated, manipulative kind right. of character, which is her showing this here and doing it so brilliantly is why I really was quite impressed because she's usually like the the quirky kind of misunderstood which she does very well and and she's in a lot of movies where she does it so good and they're you know they're great films but this I think she was just doing so something uh, different to what she usually Mm -hmm. gives us that I was like oh you can you can really play up this sort of yeah scheming uh manipulative like mastermind chess player character Taking yeah. the mental note, like, oh, I will be going down on the queen later. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which, mind you, oh, my God, that scene where she's, like, trying to, like, hide and, like, make her way out of the room slowly oh. is, like, my nightmare. <laughs> it's, like, trying to make sure people, like, two people having sex don't see you. I was like, oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> the whole time I was watching that scene, I was like, they're, they're going to know. How would they not know? How- right. How are they going to know? How are they going to know? <laughs> They're going to know. Yeah. They're going to know. <laughs> no, oh my goodness. But like also like when she does finally get to that point like that's probably one of my favorite scenes um too is when um Rachel was Sarah um like comes into the queen's bed chambers or whatever and like with her little candlelight and obviously she walks up and it's just emma stone boobs out like being oh. spooned by the queen <laughs> uh-huh and i just know like you <laughs> it was just the way that it was filmed um that you could just tell you're like oh she got flash banged <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay like, honestly, that room is though, spinning for her <laughs> in in defense if I was banging either Olivia Coleman or Rachel Weisz, I too would be unbothered by whatever else is happening. Like, you know, me and, me and Rachel Weisz are going to get on. Who cares if there's some creaking happening over by the bookshelf? That's a, that's a mouse that I do not care about. I am, I am in the moment. <laughs> Nothing can divert my attention right, right now. Right, for sure. <laughs> well, then let me also ask, uh, ask Dara, do you also have like a favorite part or moment in this scene or in this movie? Not just this one scene, the whole thing. (laughs) That's so tough. I like right off like top of mind, it's the mud bath Mm. for me. And I just, I just, oh, it's like, I keep saying it's so nice to look at, but it's just like such a visually interesting way to portray that kind of intimacy, Mm. right? where it's like originally you have, you know, the queen in the bath and then Abigail sat at her side and it was this like very, very closeness. But then Sarah just waltzes in and plops herself right down. And I love like the conflict resolution too, like through humor, like, oh, where I'm going to put the mud in a mustache and suddenly (laughs) now I'm the favorite. And this is where it's really coming to peak here where it's like, who is the favorite? Like this is where it's like coming to like, oh, we we can't quite tell because it was very back and forth up until this point. So that's, like when you describe this movie, I'm like, oh, it's the mud scene. But uh, alternately, the dance hall scene gets me. <laughs> Literally, I was in a giggle fit. I watched this. Uh, I watched this with my husband Henry, and he, he was he was not. He's very not like into the whole Oscar Beatty period piece RC he, films he particularly <laughs> yeah he was not a fan but we were giggling we were giggling during the the dancing ball scene. Yeah, no, it's, I was watching it and I was like, one of my notes is what is this dance? Because everything else feels really historically accurate. And then this dance came out and I was like, what? Okay, wait, can we make a TikTok trend where you like have to set up your phone at the end of a hallway and you have to do whatever that move is that he does where you like put your hands on the ground? Honestly, I think I would sprain something, but I'm like, I want to give it a try. (laughs) For the talk, I'll give it a try. Right. <laughs> I mean, listen, I'm two years from 30. Like, I'm, I don't need to take those kinds of chances with my back, with my knees, anything. <laughs> so, I mean, the other thing that I wanted to talk about really briefly, which I think was so kind of interesting thinking about it, like, before we started recording, of I have two female podcasters. The three of us are film posting. Phil, hmm, that, hmm. Film podcasting um, in a world that I feel like is very male-dominated, this kind of genre. And then we also picked a film. You guys picked a film. I take no credit. um, 
that passes the Bechdel test like 10 times over (laughs) and just barely passes the reverse Bechdel test. Mm -hmm. Which I think is so phenomenal. And I wanted to like get your your thoughts on that. And like, does that change your kind of perspective on like some of the dialogue or the film or like anything like that? Because I just found it really interesting. (laughs) Honestly, I'm so glad that we forced you to watch this movie. If I'm going (laughs) to take anything away from this, I'm like, well, at least, you know, I like forcibly made somebody watch a pretty good movie. (laughs) Um. Yeah, I mean, fuck them dudes. Let's let's just make more movies about women doing shit that does yes. not involve any... I mean, I just love even Nicholas Holt. And I, I guess Joe Alwyn like, is a little bit of a fringe character, but just like the Nicholas Holt character trying to weasel his way into every situation and them just like kind of absolutely shutting him down. Yeah. I'm like, every man in this movie is getting cucked. <laughs> like every movie, every man here is just like getting the short end of the stick and is just absolutely paling in comparison to any sort of power play that is happening just completely coming up you know shorthanded and i love it i want more movies like this i want more movies with brilliant female performances that are about their relationships with each other and it's just so interesting i don't know and there there really aren't enough movies like this and i think that's probably why we picked it because really when i saw this i was like i couldn't believe it i'm like wow somebody made a movie like this that's wild yeah there's so few there's so few out there that are this yeah like female centric and you said reverse Bechdel test I love that is that so is it like (laughs) what two two men never have a conversation about a woman so I was doing a little (laughs) bit of research because I was trying to I was like trying to pull back film school trivia from you know however long ago it was since I was in film school and uh I was like oh how long does it have to be because I couldn't remember if it was like five solid minutes or like three lines of diet, three or four Mm. lines of dialogue that women have to have that isn't about a man. And I was really trying to find it and I couldn't. And then one of them said reverse Bechdel test in that two men have a conversation that is not about a woman. And the only thing that like barely passes is that scene where Nicholas Holt is talking about duck racing is like, please keep that duck away from me. I do not (laughs) care. We do not know the genders of those ducks. So let's still put it. That is true. They could be lady racing ducks. I would like to think so. (laughs) I love that though. And I I know like every year it's like film criticism. I'm not like, you know, qualified or educated in the art of film per se, but I know like uh, as we get deeper and deeper into like more inclusive movies, it kind of, adds on to the Bechdel test of like, oh, okay, well, now they have names and they talk and they also, you know, have identities and mm-hmm. they talk for, you know, yeah, X amount of time about XYZ and there can't be even thematic overarching things about like we just talked about Kill Bill last week and like oh, I'm so even excited though to listen to that one just Kill Bill, yeah, even though Kill Bill it's like two of our favorite movies. We were so pumped. It was like our white so whale. Good. Nice. <laughs> um, but we were like it even if it's like subtle implication, you know, I think there are like a ton of, you know, Bechdel test studies that are like, oh, even if, you know, overarching implication is that, you know, it's generally about a man. But yeah, this, for real, this is like, fuck them dudes. Where yeah. are they? I couldn't care less. <laughs> Literally. And like, I mean, Sarah specifically, like she has a husband who is a major player politically. He is not in like more than 10 to 15 minutes of this movie, if that. Mm-hmm. And, but he's always, he's talked about like in the background, but you kind of forget he exists because Sarah is her own person and her own identity. And because she is that bitch. Right. She's running this, <laughs> this whole palace and she's got a huge key to show it and she's not taking shit from anybody. It's amazing. And so you kind of forget that like anybody else exists out of this triangle of women, which I was really kind of astounding, right? Like, mm-hmm. not so. <laughs> <laughs> which I think it goes to show, I think this movie had a $15 million budget, which is like, you know, pretty low in comparison oh, yeah. to a lot of movies today. And it looks beautiful. The costuming is mm. stunning. The cinematography, like I'm sure a lot of that was not cheap. But then I was really thinking, I was like, oh, it's the actors. They have basically five or six big name people in this whole film because it's really just about these three women. And I'm like, they really just had to pay a couple other, you know, fringe people to be, yeah, like you said, in like not even five or six minutes of total screen time in this movie. And I'm like, they could really dump the rest of the budget into making it look nice because 
it, as far as characterization or like you know who who's in it, it was and i just think that's better right as we get to like really dive deep into like who these people are and i love when like rachel rachel weiss or um emma stone's character puts in you know hours and hours of work chipping slowly away at Olivia Coleman. Rachel Weiss walks in, she says one word, and then Olivia Coleman crumbles. Yeah. Uh, I love it. I'm like, that just so much uh, power structure, power play, and like interpersonal relationships and how people can get to each other and personal history. Mm. Is I'm like focusing just so much on these three people made for such a much better movie than if they had been like, oh, here are all these fringe side relationships and side stories and, you know, side quests that everyone's going to do. Basically, Nicholas Holt and Joe Alwyn are really the only two who provide an outlet for that in any sort of way, I think. Yeah. I'm ready for the Russian ambassador. Who did your makeup? We went for something dramatic. Do you like it? You look like a badger. Oh. Are you going to cry? Really? Well, what do you think you look like? Badger. Do you really think you can meet the Russian delegation looking like that? No. I will manage it. Go back to your rooms. Thank you. Did you just look at me? Did you? Look at me! Look at me! How dare you! Close your eyes! Mm-hmm. No, for sure. It gets very rich in 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 only focusing on these relationships and these people's problems. And what I found really fun and what I love in films, especially um, like Tarantino does this a lot where he has like a lot of um like long shots where like you do not move the camera, you just watch. Oh, and feet? I, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I mean, I love those because like, like we were saying earlier, Olivia Coleman has like two minutes on her face. And I love those kinds of things because it shows trust in your actors that they're going to pull it off. And it also shows trust in your audience that like, mm. you're going to get it. Like, you just have to wait. You have to be patient. And it forces us in a society who's, like, always on the go to be, like, attentively watching for something. And I – so, like, that just makes me happy in general. And the fact that so many of those shots are on these women to, like, can we read their mind? Can we not read their mind? What are they thinking about? I need to know everything about them. Like, it's just – it just made me happy, like, watching it just, like, using my brain. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, right. You love to be engaged. I love that you bring it up because this points again to the Oscars, which I hate to love and love to hate. <laughs> yeah. But the the biggest crime I think of of the past handful of Oscars, like the drive-by triple homicide of all winners, <laughs> is that this year in 2019, Bohemian Rhapsody won for best editing. Mm-hmm. And that was the choppiest shit I have ever seen. Gave me visual whiplash. I could not stand. Like, there are honestly other categories that Bohemian Rhapsody could have won for that I would have Sound maybe design. given it a free pass. The editing is absolutely not one shit of them. garbage. This movie <laughs> was nominated. Garbage. Yeah, The Favorite was nominated for editing and lost to Bohemian Rhapsody, which I just like... Again, like you said, trust in your audience and trust in your actors to give good performances rather than I'm going to cut every half a second to diverge from the fact that we did faulty filmmaking. It's just, I cannot believe. There was some inside dealing and wheeling and trading going on and somebody had some money on something that needed to get put through. I don't even know. It's like (laughs) the way that I believe that the NFL isn't real, not to get conspiracy, but sometimes I'm like, (laughs) I don't really watch football. (laughs) I don't really watch football or anything, but sometimes I'm like, this is all acting. I'm like, this is predetermined. And like (laughs) the Super Bowl, I'm like, okay, like they didn't decide who was going to win first (laughs) because because money, like, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, I don't know. Whatever city puts out the highest bid wins the Super Bowl. Like, honestly, <laughs> I, you heard it here first, folks. Like, I, I just Breaking don't believe news. that that shit's real. It's just, it's entertainment. It's not real. It's entertainment, which I, I don't know. I know I'm being extremist. But same thing with award shows is I'm like, what big studio is backing the most money for all these people who are part of this academy or whatever? Which is why you can't really take who the winner is with 
really much grain of salt, but I, I still subscribe to the culture and participate in it, which maybe makes me problematic too. But it's fun. Somebody had something riding on Bohemian Rhapsody winning editing this year, and that's why, because <laughs> yeah, literally any other person in the category should have won. Like, actually, like this was the lowest ranking, but the favorite in particular, and I, I can't believe it didn't win for. A lot of other things it was yeah. nominated for. Well, it was a 10 nominations and one win. Is, I mean, still good, but like kind of crazy. Little it's bit. one of those things like the, the Academy members aren't forced to watch every single movie that's up for nomination that year. Right. They all probably just saw Bohemian Rhapsody and they're like, oh yeah, all right. Editing. Mercury, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, did you watch The Favorite? No, right. I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> I can see it. I can see it. I will say I have the like gut reaction to be pissed that this didn't win for costume, but mm. Black Panther won for costume, and I was like, Ooh, "Oh yeah, yeah, That's bad. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Right. yeah, that was right." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so what else can we possibly say about this movie? Because we're kind of getting close to our time together, which, like, I mean, we can always talk after this. I just mean, like, for the official recording or whatever. But, Mm -hmm. like, is there anything that we haven't hit? Because I feel like this has been a very deep dive discussion, and I want to make sure that we didn't miss anything. Um, All I have to say is that gout is kind of funny. I gotta, I just gotta say, (laughs) if we're, like, making a list of, like, what are the funniest diseases, gout is kind of up there. Like, I get it that she was in a lot of pain, but... I don't know. It gave me a good chuckle. (laughs) That was it. I just, so I love my mom for her job wraps up people's, she's a physical therapist and she um, deals a lot with people who have like lymphedema and like lymphatic swelling. Mm -hmm. So my mom literally laps, like wraps up people's swollen limbs to like relieve pressure basically. And there was just that whole scene where somebody was wrapping up Olivia Coleman's gout leg. And I was like, Jen, is that you? Like Jen, representation for like, like put- wrapping up swollen legs. We're like putting meat on it and everything right. like that. I was like, right. oh. I don't know. So I, foul. I, pretty recently, I was like, what diseases are okay to make fun of? And I'm like, a gout feels pretty valid. Well, it's labeled like the rich person's disease or whatever. Gout. Yeah. It was like no. very popular if you were a king or something, right? Like, yeah, no, I believe. So. Yeah. That's it's basically true. just like fancy arthritis, I think. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah arthritis was, for rich people. Yeah. Right. <laughs> no, Anyways, that was-, that was my final thought. It was just like, let's talk about gout. I don't let's know. talk about gout. <laughs> Yeah, no, I read somewhere that it was, like, she had, like, gout, and there was one other thing, but I heard it was, like, um, theorized that she had, like, lupus. Oh, and yeah. Stuff like that, so the poor, the poor thing. Mm. Um, and this I, was a true story, which is crazy. Yeah, no, it entirely is. Well, somewhat. The, I think the gay well, stuff was not real, the rabbits, no, maybe not, but, like, okay. those were real people who existed in the 1710 <laughs> court. I've got some thoughts and feelings on the gay stuff, because... I'm ready. Well, it's just one of those things, like, I, and this is also like one of my favorite parts about the movie is that it is a queer film, but it's not like queer centric sort of thing, which I always really like when films do that. Cause I'm like, obviously like every, there are tons of queer movies that need like their spotlight as like queer movies specifically, yeah. but like, this is just a good movie that like has that queer plot line in it as well, which I just love to see. Cause I'm like, you could have done this some other way, but you did it this way. Thank you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um but obviously, um, there's like these, there's all these tons of letters, like historically, that w- went back and forth between like Anna and Sarah. Um, and they're very intimate. Like, yeah. I've read like a couple of like the little snippets, and it's like, and I'm sitting there, I'm like, I couldn't just like send that to like my, like one of my friends and be like, you have no idea the love I have in my heart for you. You wouldn't believe it if you saw it, sort of thing. <laughs> and all these historians, like so many historians are kind of like chalking it up to like, oh, they were gal pals, kind of thing. <laughs> like that's entirely the that look that like a lot of them have had. They've been like, oh yeah, like that wouldn't be uncommon for like women to speak to each other like that back then. Mind you, I'm obviously not a historian. But I just feel... <laughs> But I just feel (laughs) like it's, I mean, it could certainly just be one of those instances where like queer history is getting erased. And I'm like, who's to say? I'm just not, I'm not going to tick it off as straight quite so fast. Right. I think these bitches were a little gay. 
Wow. That's just I, me. <laughs> I love that you bring that up because my like surface level Google search was like, is this a real story? Question mark. Mm-hmm. Just came up. First Google search was like, yeah. absolutely no gay stuff actually <laughs> right. happened. And this is fact. Mm-hmm. So I, I like that you actually did your research yeah. unlike me. Well, um, <laughs> but it's like <laughs> me when I'm drunk to all my friends being like, I love you so much. And you're so beautiful. <laughs> and I just mm-hmm. think that you're a queen and that you're the best in the world. Yeah. But like, no, it was, this was not that. Yeah. This was, I would, I would actually like to think that in, this is based in some amount of truth. Yeah, and it's one of those things, like, obviously, like, they've talked to her, they were like, oh, yeah, like, she um, was very, like, devoted to her husband and everything like that. Like, obviously, she had, like, 17, like, dead children, which is yeah. sad, really sad. Yeah. <laughs> um, and mind you, like, obviously, like, she was, like, filled with ailments and, like, her whole body was pretty broken and everything like that. And, like, that's not to say, like, yeah, maybe it wasn't, like, the most sexual relationship or anything like that. But that is a very deeply intimate relationship between two women. Yeah. And, my, like, maybe there's not sex. Maybe sex wasn't involved. But I'm not going to take it off as not gay. Right. Um, in my mind, <laughs> this is for me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Could have been a little Could've gay. Maybe. It's one of those things too. Like it's so tough because like time is just a bitch. And I know Sarah convinced Anne to burn all of um <gasps> the letters that Sarah had written to her. And uh, after this too, like once the actual fallout from this happened, um this was really shitty. Um Sarah went around like sort of spreading rumors like, hey. Anne and Abigail are gay for each other. They had like a little song sort of thing that like yeah. went around court and everything like that. So I'm like, I like would not shock me. Like if you're going to use ammunition that like, you know, like you wouldn't want used against you and just like turn it around and flip mm-hmm. it. I don't know. It's a little fishy. It's a yeah. little shitty. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. You say you're not a historian, but you're really sounding like a historian to me right now. Emily. I read, I read With two articles. <laughs> She's only a gay historian. Like, it's exactly. totally fine. We're only here for gay history. Exactly. I'm, I'm subscribed. I'm here. This is, this is my truth. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I agree, though. I think it's... I Because there's a similar thing with, like, Emily Dickens. Dickinson? Dickens. Yes, yes. Yes. Yeah. She, Dickinson. Yeah, Dickinson. <laughs> but yeah, everyone's like, she wasn't gay, and she has letters being like, I want to finger you to right. her friends. And they're like, nah, gal pal. Right. She was like completely in love with this other woman. Mm-hmm. And all the historians are like, mm, they were just friends. Like, it's no big deal. Like, they were just I'm, gal pals. I could be wrong, but I think it was that Emily Dickinson was married to that girl's brother. Uh, no, the, like- um, the opposite. The opposite? The, yeah, the girl was yeah. married to Emily Dickinson's brother. Oh, my God. Scandal. Absolutely insane. <laughs> insane. I want to watch that because there's there's an Apple TV show, right? Dickinson oh, or something yeah. Like Haley about Steinfeld? It. Yeah, Haley Steinfeld. Yeah. Yes. It's just, I'm, al- I'm always on sapphic Twitter and I get those screen grabs and I'm like, shit, I got to watch this. <laughs> I know. It is very much like the great, actually, because it's a lot of modern language, but in like yeah. historical settings, like, and uh-huh. like modern music, which is very kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> love that. Absolutely yeah. love that. But I agree. I think it's I think it's um putting the uh the cart before the horse. Um mm. thinking that this there was no way they were gay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I'm, gay people Right. Gay people didn't exist until Stonewall, didn't you hear? Like, right. No, 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 no. 2012. P- gay people got invented like <laughs> not even 5 years ago. What are you talking about? <laughs> In culture? No. Right. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, RuPaul man. was the first. He was the, the first from gay. there. <laughs> Start the your engines. <laughs> I uh well and so real quick I wanted to ask you guys about the ending scene. Mm. Um because for me I had trouble kind of wrapping my brain around what it meant, which like maybe I'm I'm looking too closely at it, but I was curious to hear what you guys had to say about it. Well, I'm an idiot. Um, and so <laughs> and so I was also just like, this is this is nice and pretty. And I just think the whole like the, the end scene with all the rabbits, basically. Yeah. The rabbits hmm. are kind of, you know, We've got, slow zoom yeah. out and yeah. it's it's beautiful and it's stunning. And I just think that whole fact that we learned earlier about like those are her dead children, and this is sort of like a her character centric. 
thing that we know about. And like, she's truly at the center of this whole movie is it's about the queen. It's about what the queen can, the power she wields and, you know, the choices she makes. And I just think that the rabbits were just an interesting part of her story that we kind of got in on as an insider. And that, I don't know, that's the end of the movie. I, I Again, I try not to think too much about it because I'm kind of stupid. And if I think too much about it, like maybe my brain's going to melt out of my ears. Um, no, but I, I just that. think it's like a reflection of her character sort of at the end, a nice final shot to be like, don't forget, this is, this is for Anne. This one's mm. for Anne. See, for me, like, it, I definitely remember, like, the first time watching it, like, having those rabbits stick in my brain. But this time it was because it, it basically went and it was, like, a really, t- one of those, like, really tight, long shots on, like, actors' faces. And so it, like, started on Emma Stone's and and then it, like, panned up to Olivia Coleman's, And basically then they're sort of, like, overcut, like, together yeah. and, like, the, the rabbits come in. Um, mm. Which is just an interesting um, editing thing, too, which I really liked. But, like, for me, like, and to me... Uh, at the like the end was very much because it was still like Emma Stone was still down on her knees, yeah, rubbing the queen's gout feet and legs, <laughs> and it was one of those things like I feel like you can just see like in their faces, it's like not sort of the realization that they've made their bed and they have to lie in it, but Ooh. something along those lines. Certainly for Emma Stone's, um, at least because it's like. No matter what, she's still she's still a servant to someone. Yeah, she's not entirely she like she as much as she's like climbed her way up that whole big ginormous ladder that she has this entire movie. She's still like I said, she's still rubbing that gout. <laughs> <laughs> and Olivia Coleman's sitting there, and you just know she's thinking about Sarah. And yeah, very much like she sent her away. She made her bed. She's got a lie in it. She's never hearing from Sarah again. And I don't know if that like. Very much the Emma Stone's like, oh, shit, I'm still here. And then Olivia's kind of like, I miss my girlfriend. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. That's just sort of like the way I felt it ended. It was very much just like, damn. Yeah. This sucks. It's definitely Especially not... with the rabbits. Yeah. Well, and it's, like, the it's, rabbits are all of her dead children, which is just another layer of, like, <laughs> oh, damn, this sucks. Right. <laughs> no one got what they wanted. Exactly. Like, fully. Yeah, and that's kind of the thing about this movie, is that nobody really gets exactly what they want, except maybe, yeah. I think you could probably argue, Abigail gets almost exactly what she wants. Yeah, mm-hmm. almost. Yes, yeah. She's been, yeah. But, like, it's good. She does have to still massage those gout legs. For sure. And that cannot be easy, so... For sure but i guess the life of luxury comes with a toll which i guess in this case is gout legs so like what are you gonna do what are you, yep you win I some had, you lose some right i had a lot of mixed feelings about the last one because it's like it's those overlaid shots of olivia coleman emma stone and then all the rabbits and i was like do the rabbits represent schemes like rabbits are always multiplying. Are they schemes multiplying? Is it Emma Stone? Is she focused on the rabbits and how much she hates them? Is it Olivia Coleman who's thinking about rabbits and her dead children and Sarah? And like mm-hmm. I was I was trying to figure it out and I didn't think. And then it was one of those things where I was like, I'm looking at it this closely mm-hmm. and I have to back up and like <laughs> yeah. take take another perspective of like what uh-huh. it is. <laughs> uh-huh. I love you're so wholesome. You're like, rabbits multiply, that means schemes. I'm like, rabbits fucking. That's what I was like, this is the end the end all be all of this movie is that at the end of the day is that Abigail's still gonna have to fuck Olivia Coleman right. every night and that's the toll she has to pay it's like rabbits are about fucking I mean yes <laughs> not to overlook that you're right Darren. 100% 100% I got I got way too metaphorical by the end of my thought process on this last scene that like I had to yeah no, that's the difference between, like, a smart person and, like, a horny person. <laughs> <laughs> what are you trying um, to say, girl? <laughs> um, one thing I do want to, like, sort of uh, wrap back to really quick, because we did yeah. just say that, like, no one gets what they want. And, my, mm-hmm. like, I think in this film, like, uh, yeah, no one really comes out the clear winner or yeah. the favorite or whatever. <laughs> Anyways. But um, I, like in the two articles that I read, I did learn that um, Sarah, like, she made out like a bandit. Yeah. Yeah, Sarah Churchill ended up becoming one of the most wealthy people in the entire nation. Yeah. She, like, pretty much ended up amassing, like, um, 
close to like what it would be like a billion pounds today or something, <gasps> something like, that. like that yeah something like oh. that and then like also like the fun history is that like obviously like her name is sarah churchill it doesn't take much to like figure out like winston churchill is a direct like descendant of her along with princess diana which is just a really really what? neat pe- yeah really neat piece of um <laughs> historical fact and like the fact that her bloodline once um prince william becomes king someday yeah. or if he does or his children or whatever like yeah she's got she's got blood on the throne now and like right after queen anne died i mean obviously she didn't have children so it jumped over mm-hmm. to someone else but i just thought it was really like while this um the movie doesn't sort of give you the satisfaction of a clear winner or anything like that i mean i'm gonna say sarah churchill kind of won in the end yeah i I think probably that's a that's a safe yeah. choice. If you're go- if you're going to make an argument for who won, I think Sarah is probably a safe choice as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. In terms, because it is true, she kind of gets out of this kind of weird, not toxic, but definitely not great situation of mm-hmm. this relationship that seems to be about power instead of about affection. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's an interesting take. I wouldn't have thought of that honestly. <laughs> Like, everyone's miserable. Yeah. I just, for once, like, I was like, I'm going on someone else's podcast. I should read a little bit. (laughs) I never do this for mine. (laughs) We are so, I mean, like, our show's a lot of fun, but we're kind of (laughs) dumb. And we're just usually like, who would you fuck, marry, and kill in this movie? And that's honestly coming on your show. I was like, oh, this is very official. I should do some, I should, like, read the Wikipedia minimum. (laughs) I mean, first and foremost, I have to disagree because there are so many times I'm listening where you guys are saying things because I, 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 it's my favorite thing about talking about films with people is that everybody sees something different. So mm-hmm. t- sometimes you guys are talking and I'm like, oh, I never really thought of it that way. I got to rewatch this movie and like rethink mm-hmm. about things because that is not the experience that I had. But isn't that amazing? And so mm-hmm. you guys are saying some amazing things on your podcast. Thank so you, you are Thank not you. dumb and you're not stupid. So stop saying <laughs> no, that. No, I mean like stupid in a funny way, you know? Okay. <laughs> like, okay. Like, okay. You know, I'm an idiot at everyone else's expense and it's nice, but, <laughs> but no, I, I do really appreciate that, but that's why I love so much. You know, you see a good movie and you go and you see like, Oh, what good podcast can I find on this? Right. Cause yeah. you're like, Oh, I have so many thoughts, but I want to hear what people saw that I didn't. Um, yeah. Which, <laughs> It's always really cool. Yeah. That's yeah, always totally Even if it's a little bit stupid, it's still, it's still pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. And this is definitely one of those movies, too. Like, I feel like that sort of fits that bill, which, which, like, you can listen to everyone else's opinions about it, but also, like, going back and, like, I think this is maybe this third time I've watched this movie. Um, and every time I pick something new back up, and I just yeah. love a good movie like that. Or I pick a new every, side. Some, exactly. Right. Exactly. I'm like, who am I rooting for? Every every five minutes, it changes, and then I feel different at the end of the movie. Every time, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, Team Abigail, Team Sarah, mm-hmm. Team Anne, Team oh, Team everyone. I don't <laughs> know. <laughs> no, that's so. Uh, I'm I'm kind of excited to watch it again just for that like experience of like, who am I? Because I don't, I think in the beginning I was voting for Abigail and then halfway through I was like, no, no, it has to be Sarah. And then by the end I was like, poor Anne just needs a nice girlfriend or herself. Like she needs something. And so now Mm -hmm. I'm curious to see like, okay, who am I going to root for next time? Because like, I'm going to feel very different. (laughs) I We're kind of at the end of our time, even though I'm having so much fun. Um, (laughs) so, So I mean, First and foremost, thank you guys for coming on. It was amazing. And this has been such a good time. I was so excited to have you guys on. And I was not disappointed at all. Not that I thought I would be. Let me throw that out there. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, where where can listeners find you? Like the socials, the podcast, everything we need to know. Tell us more. So basically our official website is the swamppodcast.com, but you can obviously find us on all social media, TikTok at the swamp podcast, Instagram and Twitter at the swamp pod. Even we have an email, the swamp pod at Gmail, send us <laughs> Gmails, like literally anything. Um, but yeah, just if you search the swamp podcast on any social media, you should be able to find us. Our logo is the little frog and the alligator on the couch. Uh, it stands for some whack-ass movie podcasting, so it should be pretty easy to find. But if you enjoyed us here, I think this was very reminiscent of a conversation we would have on our own show. Uh, yeah. Just We pick a different movie every single week. We talk about it. Sometimes we do themes for the month, like 
musicals or we'll pick a certain actor, a fun little theme and, and sometimes not, you know, just whatever. Um, but it's a fun little show. And if you liked us here, you'll probably like us over there. So come join us. Very nice. Love that. Well, I'm, I'm obviously subscribed since I asked you guys to come on here and was like, I love you guys. Um, so I'm obviously, no, we love you. No. <laughs> thank you. I, uh, I'm like, I said, I'm very excited about the, I just saw that you posted about Kill Bill and I haven't been able to listen to it yet. And I'm super, uh, super psyched about it. We're doing a, we're doing killer soundtracks this month. So we're like, love we gotta that. do Kill Bill. Cause it's, I think probably our combined favorite movie soundtrack probably so ever. Um, or, yeah, we had a lot of really great movies this month that we covered because, you know, soundtrack, what a great catalyst for just oh, so many good movies. Oh my gosh, yes. And even this next movie, I'm I'm so excited to watch. Excited. But yeah, <laughs> we do some bad movies too, though. Don't worry. Like, it's not all good stuff. Sometimes it's bad and we make fun of it. So I love that. Well. well, I'm so excited to have you guys on here. You're welcome back anytime, literally anytime. If you guys are like, hey, we should call Becky. Like, I'm here. I'm picking up the phone anytime. Gorgeous. (laughs) And uh, yeah, so I mean, just just thank you guys overall. This has been so much fun. (laughs) Had a blast. Thank you. Another huge thank you to Emily and Dara of the Swamp Podcast for coming on the show and talking about their favorite film, The Favorite. I had so much fun my... My face hurt from laughing, and I ended up spending another, I don't know, 45 minutes to an hour with these ladies after the recording was done. Just such a great time, and if you liked this episode, of course you have a couple options. Option one, you can follow us on Instagram at scopophilia underscore podcast. You can also follow us on our TikTok page, which is at scopophilia the podcast. And make sure that you are subscribed and following both of those because on top of everything else going on with the season, uh, The Swamp and Scopophilia are actually collaborating again. So all details are going to be on uh, those platforms with more information and drop dates and all of those things. Additionally, if that's not enough for you, you can also buy merch. We have merch, I promise. It is in the link of our Instagram bio. We have shirts, we have hats, we have tote bags. I wear my Scopophilia hat almost every day. Like it's, I should probably stop wearing it for my hair health, but I can't, I can't stop. It's a great hat. It has our logo on it. So does the shirt. So does the tote. So if you or somebody that you know loves the show, it's a great gift for them on their birthday or a holiday or just because you care. Like I said, that is in our Instagram bio. There is a link there. Additionally, you could also go to ncpodcast.com slash scopophilia. It's our show page, and it has our merchandise as well as an episode guide list. As always, I'm your host, Becky Teller, leading the millennial movie movement here on Scopophilia. And I'll see you all next Friday. Bye.